Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome you to the last week of our series entitled Subject to Change. I want to look right there into the camera and welcome all those watching online. Welcome our McKinney campus and our Hazlitt campus and all who may watch this message later. Let's put our hands together and welcome everybody that's joining in with us. If you're new with us, you can follow along online with the different messages, but let me give you the basic essence of what we've been looking at and studying together. We've looked at a large story in the Old Testament that has New Testament implications for us. In fact, this large story called the Exodus is actually referred to in the New Testament over and over, and the Bible says we should study them We should look at them because we see in them some examples of ways that we should learn how to respond to God. And what we've learned is in this story, the the basic simple aspect of the story is that God's people are in bondage. They pray, God then delivers them through the hand of Moses. Moses comes, he doesn't feel like he's really adequate to do it but then he goes in and obeys God and then they are set free, cross through the Red Sea and then we've studied so many different interesting stories along the way of their responses and their attitudes and their hearts and we've looked at a lot of different scenarios and really as we think about change and we think about new seasons, here's the big one we've learned, Whether it's something we pray for or something we don't expect, we're not as good at it along the way because many times we're like them and we don't trust God at his word. We don't allow him to guide us. We don't allow him to lead us sometimes. And we've been learning from them and they journey along and the real truth of the story is that they wander around and get stuck. They're just wandering around and just get stuck in many, 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 many years. And where we're going this weekend is we're finally going to get unstuck. Anybody ready to get unstuck and stop wandering? We're actually going to go into the promised land and we're going to see a contrast of two different mentalities, a massive contrast, easy to see, a contrast of mentalities of those who a generation, by the way, that died in the wilderness as opposed to a different generation, a different group of people, a different mindset, and those are people who possess. And did you know still here on the earth today, there are people that maybe get set free, maybe get saved, there are those who follow the cloud a little bit, there are those who receive God's provision But I do want you to understand there's a different mentality in those people who say, I want to walk into and possess everything that God has for my life. We're part of that decision. We have an opportunity to participate in God and with God. So we're coming to a big moment. How many of you remember the big moments in your life? In fact, the book of Joshua is where I want you to turn. Joshua chapter one. 
And Joshua influenced even the culture of our church. It was me reading, I've shared with you in this, me reading these Moses stories, reading about Joshua and Caleb and them saying, hey, if God said we can have it, we can possess it. And so there's some anchor verses I wanna share with you that even influence the culture and atmosphere of our church. So when you're coming up to a big moment, how many of you, again, milestone means celebrating the big moments in life. And uh, I thought about a big moment. This is a big moment. I've walked through it with a few of my children. I don't know if some of you can remember that far back. How many of you remember the first time you, by yourself, got an opportunity to drive away from your house in a motorized vehicle? You got to drive away. How many of you can still remember that? You just, you're like, is this really happening? I'm in charge now. Boom. Just now. When I drove away from my house, it wasn't with a brand new car, because my dad was old school, so I had to haul hay, work little odd jobs, scrape together $1,335 to buy a 75 Toyota pickup. Put some mag wheels on it, come on somebody. I mean, it was powerful, man. It was my car, I'll never forget driving away. Now, I bought the truck, but I didn't really know what it means to possess a truck. I didn't realize all the other stuff that goes with it, and one of those is you have to have gas in the truck to drive the truck. And my sisters, I didn't know this till later, or there would have been a big, big, serious sibling fight. My sisters were taking my truck, driving it around at night, burning all my gas up. All I knew was I went there, there was no gas, and I was gonna take this girl on a date. My dad, again, old school, said, well, if you don't have any gas, you're in trouble. I said, well, how am I gonna do this? So, of course, you go to mom. <laughs> mom said, my car has gas, you can take it. Only problem was hers was an 83 Oldsmobile that had like wallpaper sides on it, you know what I'm saying? So I just rolled over there, picked my date up in the Oldsmobile station wagon, baby. Come on now, you gotta have some security. How you like my car, baby? She's like, man, this is the last date I'm ever going on with you, you know what I'm saying? Pick some friends up and they're facing backwards. You know, I was like, y'all know that seat that was, you riding in the back looking at the back. So I had a car, but I didn't know what it meant to possess the car. We're gonna learn about a different group of people who thought different about where they were. We see, again, in this map that they're wandering around, but in the journey, I do want to remind you that in this story, it's a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. Let me show you how, just a few. I could look at many of them, and every week we took it through the lens of Jesus. First of all, we saw the Passover. When they were set free, they applied blood by a sacrificial lamb to the doorpost of their house and the angel of death passed over and Jesus Christ fulfills that promise in that he once and for all paid the price, was the sacrifice and death has no ability to rule and reign in the present life or in the future life because of Jesus Christ. We learned that when they crossed through the Red Sea, big, big moment, that the Bible compares that to our death that we again see in the picture of water baptism when we are buried in our old life and we are raised to walk in the newness of life through the purpose and person of Jesus Christ. We learned the week we talked about manna that they ate this what is it. They had this 
daily sustenance, but Jesus in the New Testament compares himself to the bread of life. Not that you just have some daily little substance that takes care of you, but he said, if you eat of me, you will never hunger again. The hungers of our life are satisfied in the person of Jesus Christ. And this week we're going in. This week we're going into the promised land. But let me make sure that you understand when I talk about the promised land, it's not us just attaching some little element of our life that says, hey, I'm in the promised land because this area of my life is going well and I'm not in the promised land because this area is not going as well. The promised land is a picture of life with Jesus. The promised land, as the Bible says, there is no life unless you have life in Jesus. And so the promised land represents you walking into the fullness of a life with Jesus, walking with him and possessing every promise that he has available for you. And so we're gonna look at this story in Joshua, but I thought we might start in the end because as I have shared with you this series, those of you in Hazlitt, those of you watching online, I've shared this series, some of you may have thought along the way that, again, maybe because this group of people died in the wilderness, maybe somehow that's God's fault. Maybe you might think when we see some area of disobedience in their heart that maybe that makes God not as good. But Joshua gives us the end of the story. You, you know, there's a principle where you start with the end in mind. You start with the end as you journey. And Joshua 23 tells us the end of the story. Joshua says, I'm about to die. I'm about to go the way of the whole earth. And you know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord God gave you has failed. Not one has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Let's go back into now as we look at this Joshua story. I want to remind you a, a different mentality, a different thought process, a different season. You talk about change in Joshua 1. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Big transition. Former generation, now not there. Now Moses, my servant, is dead. He says, now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. And then, so that's where we're going. We're going into this promised land. This generation's going into the promised land, and now he starts to tell them, here's some of the things that are going to happen, and here's, let's see their mentality. First of all, if you look down in the chapter, he starts equipping Joshua with what is required to go in and be a possessor of the promises. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So, so not the previous generation that were full of complaining and criticism and negativity and doubt and fear and unbelief. He says, no, you keep this word in front of you. And I love that he says, keep it on your lips. Why do we keep it on our lips? Because your lips reveal, your mouth reveals where your heart is. So if you wanna know where someone's heart is, just listen to what's on their lips. It says, keep it on your lips, meditate on it, so that you may be careful to do everything in it. 
So it's not just that we are hearers of the word, we are doers of the word. My passion for you is that you wouldn't just listen to a message once a week, but that you have a faith that works, that you live it out in your daily life and you're able to do it. It says if you do that, you'll be prosperous. You'll be successful. In other words, not that you have everything perfect. We're gonna see a lot of challenges with Joshua, but he's, he's like, you guys can actually not be a generation that wanders and complains and dies in the wilderness. You can actually be a group of people who win at this thing. You, you can actually be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you Major phrase in the Bible, Pastor Steve Chestnut shared with us last week about he's with us, he's with us in the journey, wherever you go. Now let's talk about one more place and then we're gonna contrast these two generations. Let's actually look at how they go in because I think it's pretty interesting, some of the components of it. it says the Jordan in chapter three is at flood stage, all during harvest, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet Touch the water's edge. Mark that, remember that, because we're gonna talk about it in a minute. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away of a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, so the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. Jericho was the first city that they would have to possess. I'll tell you a little bit about that. And then we're gonna look at the ultimate thing that happens in the end of Joshua. But let's start by contrasting the two groups. Let's look at what we see here in Joshua and what we see in this other mentality. And my prayer for you and my hope for you is you would have the mentality of those who walk in the promised land, those who possess, those who walk out everything that God has for their life. This was a light bulb moment for me. And maybe there's somebody listening to me right now that you need to hear this. I grew up understanding that we need to accept Jesus Christ. Again, I grew up in a church that preached on Jesus and, and we had people come to know Christ. And, and I'm gonna tell you, you'll never possess everything that God has for your life until the day you surrender yourself to Jesus Christ. You don't have life, you don't have you're like, I'm afraid. Of course you're afraid if you don't have Jesus Christ at the center of your life. You're like, I, you are going to live in the bondage of Egypt until you surrender yourself to Jesus. But here's something that I wanna share with some of you that should you die today, should you experience that moment where you stand before Jesus, or should Jesus return you know that you know that you know that you would spend eternity in heaven because you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about this thought because I know I had a thought where we're just trying you know, to get into heaven or not sin bad enough to mess up our lives. So it's like we, we kind of had a mentality. I'm not even saying necessarily that the church I went to was trying to communicate that. I had just this thought, it's like, Let's just try not to sin, let's try not to go to hell, let's, let's just kinda try to sort of survive this life and you know, kinda go to church enough to feel good about ourselves. But it was a life-changing moment for me when I understood, wait a minute, 
you can be saved, you can be set free, you can have the potential for freedom, you can actually be delivered from some things, but not possess. Not actually walk into the fullness of everything that God has planned for your life. There's two different mentalities that we see contrasted And I want you to know, the Bible is making the contrast here with the Moses generation and the Joshua generation. The first big difference is the first group were complaining and negative. He says to this group, don't be afraid, have courage, and keep the word of God on your lips. In your home, around your family, in your business life, the team you're on, and yes, even in churches, there's an ethos. There's a culture. There's an environment. And there's two different environments. There are those who have a bias toward criticism, negativity, and always talking about what is wrong or bad, and there are those who talk about what they are for, where they're going, and what God has planned in the future. Two totally different mentalities. And after 27 years of pastoring, you would think I would know this. But I am still surprised at how the two groups of people find each other. I am still amazed when someone gets in complaining and negativity. Do you know there's actually a term called negativity bias? That there's something in the brokenness of humanity that's drawn to the negative or the bad or the problem and wants to identify with it. There's something different about the person who, again, it's not saying your life is perfect or there's not a place or a person where you can be honest and open. You know, you need a friend you can throw up on every now and then. Y'all know what I'm saying? You need somebody, but you don't need to tell everybody. You you, you need somebody you can tell everything, but you don't need everybody that you tell everything all the time and just pervasively be identified as a critical negative person who's constantly looking at all of the things that are wrong because it doesn't really take that much to identify what is wrong. It takes a person who possesses to actually see change in the area that you're actually wanting to see change in. So there's a group everywhere, they were complaining, Moses, you brought us here to die. Moses, when are you gonna do something? Then Moses does something, and then they're like, who puts you in charge? The Bible highlights it over and over and over. This group was different. I remember, I'm just sharing with you some things. I have an analytical mind, so I can identify challenges, and I I remember Years ago, when I heard a message, and I love to talk about it because it was life-changing for me, when I heard a pastor speak about offense, being an offended person. Did you know this, just offended all, just, this, there's, we have a generation in a world just offended all the time. And you know what, in the church, the pervasive message we have is that we're upset about everything all the time. We're against that. Well, what are you for? 
And so I remember when a pastor spoke this message, it changed me. I'd never seen this in the Bible before. When Jesus talked about seed going in the ground and some fell away and they were offended or the places in scripture where it talks about offense, he said the word there is scandalon and it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a trap to hold you back. Our house several years ago, they were working and developing the area behind us and there was these weeds and everything in it. And in that, that area, this is a kind of an undeveloped area and, and these rats started coming over into our garage. They made their way into our garage. My wife said, we have rats in the garage. And so I, I don't know, I'm like, okay. So I set some mouse traps out there. I mean, she went out in the garage, they took those, turned them into firewood and built a fire and were growling at her. <laughs> so I did what any son-in-law who has no tools and knows nothing about fixing anything, I called my father-in-law, y'all know what I'm saying? I'm like, you know what to do with these things. He's like, oh yeah, he brought over some traps I think that would catch a possum, you know? These things were massive, and he told me, he said, here's how you catch a rat, you put peanut butter on it. I'm like, huh, do tell. I got a ministry trip to go on, you, you stay doing that, father-in-law, appreciate you. You handle those rats for my wife, so she'll stay happy with me. Well, I came back, she said, we caught the rats. I went in there, man, things was huge. I mean, those things were dangerous, you know? I mean, disease-carrying, mean-looking, but they were caught. I didn't know what to do with them, you know? What do you do with rats? Do we have a rat depository, you know, dead rat place in Keller? I don't, we don't, okay? This big trap has this rat in it, and do you know what? That's, that's what offense is. Just remember this. If you live offended, you're not hurting anybody else but yourself. You're gonna trap yourself in that cycle, and here's the truth. You may think, are you taking this much time in your message to talk about this? Yes, yes, because offended people don't possess the promised land. They don't possess the promised land. I'm so thankful that God showed me that because I have 10 things right now I could be offended about, 10 things, but I've chosen to finish my race not only as a dad, as a Christian, but I wanna finish my race as a pastor loving him and loving God's people. And I'm not gonna let offense attract me. I'm not gonna let even justifiable reasons to live offended, I'm not going to let that rob me of the future in the promised land with him and God's people. I'm not gonna allow it to happen. It's a choice. The second thing is the first group of people, every time they came to a new obstacle, they were ready to run. They were scared. You brought us here to die, Moses. Okay, this is finally it. But this group of people went forward in faith. I love that. Just a few chapters in, contrary to the former group who at their first obstacle start saying, can we go back to Egypt and glorify in Egypt? This group, and I don't know if you saw that in the text, I've been to this place at the Jordan River. This is not a creek. This is not like a, a small waterway. It's the Jordan River, and the Bible says it was at flood stage. So look at their mentality. They come up, they're not denying it's at flood stage, but God said we can possess that. 
So before God parted the water, notice the other group is before the miracle, they're questioning God, and then God has to part it to give them dry land to walk on. In this one, they step in it when it's at flood stage. They step in it right there. Why? Because God said. So they step in it when they should be the most afraid. You're like, why are you telling us this? Well, I put a map up every week. We've studied it, we've looked at it. Okay, they were going here and these people were wandering and the promised land's over here. I haven't put that map up just to intrigue your curiosity about Middle Eastern geography. It's not like the maps in the back of your Bible that you never turn to because you can't tell what the names are for all the stuff on there. The goal of the map is to identify where you are because we could all be in any one of those places at any time. It's to identify where you're at. I never forget when our kids were little, my daughter's about to be married was, she was a young one and then we had strollers and you know all this and we decided we were gonna get Dr. Pepper cans and, and, and get some free things from the school I think and we were going to the state fair. Come on, get a fried Snickers. I mean we're gonna just get fried, I don't know that could kill you but anyway it sounds awesome. We're going to the state fair. And we parked 7,000 miles from the state fair and then we get there and then we gotta go through and all this. We finally get everybody in there. Come on, young families. It's quite an event. It's, it's, it's like crossing the desert, the Red Sea. Come on, anyway, it's like everybody, how you quit? Don't hit her, stop, okay, we're trying to have fun. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> we get in there, my oldest daughter, we get in the gate. It's like we haven't even ridden a ride. She throws up. I'm like, retreat. We're going back. But if you're going forward, you gotta know where you're at. When we used to have malls, now we have outdoor shopping experiences. But if you go to an amusement park, if you wanna know where you're trying to go, your first job is to figure out where you're at. So you need to take that map and say, I'm still in bondage in Egypt. I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. You gotta get honest because you're not gonna possess the promises God has for you until you take that first step. Some of you are saved, but you're wandering. Some of you are just stuck. You don't remember when it was the last time that you stepped out in any area that if God didn't show up, then it wasn't going to happen. When's the last time you stepped into some water at flood stage? Not, not risk mitigation, not insurance on your insurance, not protecting everything in your life so that everything's safe. When's the last time you said, okay, Lord Jesus, I wanna live in the promised land with you. I'm stepping in now. Where are you at on that map? Because when you identify where you're at, then you can identify what faith area do you need to take that next step? There's a third contrast. The former generation was me, me, self-absorbed, narcissistic. How will this, every response they had to where God wanted to take them was through the lens of how it affected them. Everything in their life, this is a difference in possess, people who possess the promises of God and people who wander and stay stuck, people who wander are me-focused and people who possess understand that it's bigger than me, it's not about me, 
It's about him, his kingdom, his glory, his demonstration of his goodness in the earth, and I wanna partner with him, and this isn't about me. I'm gonna do it with him, with his people, and it's a we or us mentality. When they come to Jericho, I'm talking about a contrast. Just a little problem back over in this Moses thing, whining, complaining, crying, can we go back? Just every story. The first big scary moment after they get in the promised land, they go to Jericho and there's walls and it's fortified and it's their first battle. Now I want you to get this. Joshua says to them, here's what we're gonna do. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna walk around this city and I want you to walk around it for several days and don't give a battle cry and don't shout until I tell you to shout, so let's start marching. We don't see any, I don't know if I like this. I don't know what Moses is doing. I don't know what he's thinking. All the analytical people are going, why are we walking for so many days? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going on? Who's in charge of this operation? What's happening? I don't know if I like this. I don't really like to walk. I lost my little Fitbit, and I don't know if I'm getting my steps. I don't know if I... They just start walking around it. And then on the seventh day, they shout and the walls fall down and they take possession, take it all. I spent last week, week before last, speaking at one of the largest, it's probably one of the, if not the largest gathering of churches like ours. Large church and pastors are discouraged. Do you know that most churches in America still have 50% of what they had coming to church pre this whole last 18 months to two years? 30% of churches may not make it. I went there. They filled up two conferences full of pastors and ministry leaders to encourage them. I spoke at both sessions. I spoke on being a shepherd to people. Quit worrying about your brand. Quit worrying about you and start thinking about we. Start helping people grow. This year we set a goal for you to grow. We can't control everything going on around us. We can't control the narrative. We don't, have, we don't even have responsibility for that. But we do have stewardship of our own souls and our lives flow out of our own souls. The promised land's not a destination. It's not what's on the menu, milk and honey. It's a life with Jesus. It's a life with Jesus. And I tell you, I stood in the commons of that and prayed for at one session an hour and 45 minutes with pastors and leaders, just encouraging them, encouraging them. I had one pastor ask me, he said, how's your church? Well, I'm embarrassed to say it. They're awesome. They're phenomenal. Because during all of this, we kept the main thing the main thing. And when we had... All that going on, well, we had serve day. And thousands of you showed up and served our community. And when everything was going crazy, like it couldn't go any more crazy, and an ice storm came, I'm gonna share some of this in the next couple of weeks, what we've seen God do. You showed up, I didn't even have to send an email. I didn't even have to say anything because you are a possess the land people. You're not a let's sit around and talk about problems, you're a let's solve the problem. A little less talk and a lot more action. And because that's who you are. Because we set out from the beginning to be a Joshua generation church. 
that possesses the promised lands and you started getting four-wheel drives and delivering firewood and during Ice-mageddon, you impacted 25,000 lives. It should have went viral. Oh, it should have. It should have went viral, but it didn't. It didn't go viral because it's not negative enough. It's not critical enough. It doesn't make headlines because no one clicks on that. They're looking for a car accident, not a car possessing the next stage in its journey. But you are that type of people. This year, more people in our growth track than ever. We have over 400 people in 301. Both campuses, Hazlitt and Keller. We have 120 people going through freedom. And this is what I told a lot of these pastors. You're focused on the wrong stuff. I may never get invited back. <laughs> Shepherd the people. Love the people. Grow, help them grow. Help them possess the promised land. I know there may be some of you that are new. We're, we haven't built a church that just comes listen to one bald guy talk every week. It's about not me possessing the promised land. It's about does your faith work? Does your faith work? And I want you to know, I'm not pleased. And pastors are not pleased. And you wanna know the root of it? We're trying to fix the White House. We're trying to fix this house. We're trying to fix racism. We're trying to fix this. What we need to do is fix the church house. What we need to do is start discipling people and not just have a crowd of people because what we learned in these last several months is we have a lot of people who listen to people talk and they can do that online, but we don't have a lot of disciples who know how to possess the promised land. So man, I'm doubling down on helping you, not me, you know how to possess. They were me focused. The Joshua generation was we focused. Here's the final thing. The fourth deal is that first generation was immediate gratification, scarcity mindset, limited perspective. But I tell you, this next verse that I want to read you is so powerful because it shows generational blessing and a transfer of values. I want everybody to key in with me right now, no matter where you're watching from. You can't miss in this whole Exodus story, we've covered chapters in Numbers, we're doing an overview of Joshua. You can't miss this, this is huge. Your decisions, you're like, well I don't know if I really wanna possess right now, pastor. Okay, I don't know if I really wanna step in that. You don't understand, my situation's unique, pastor. You don't know my situation. Just know this, when you wander, when you choose to not walk into everything God has for you, it doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect you. We learned that in this story. I'll never forget where I was. I'd been under my desk in the beginning days before we start Milestone, praying for our church, praying for you. My kids were in bed, my wife was in bed. And I had this thought, what if we are not just an irrelevant group of people that are really just kind of codependent on some religion who have potlucks but don't impact the community? What if we were not just that, but what if we actually, what, what if it mattered that we came together? What if it mattered? What if, what if during Ice-mageddon the city puts our church there to say, if you need water, go to them? Like what if it mattered for a kingdom agenda at your work, at your school, at your home? What if it mattered? 
And I thought about that concept of milestone. Of course, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And that possession of the promised land across the Jordan, they took 12 stones. Throughout Joshua, they would mark with stones major moments so they would remember God's faithfulness and they could also show the next generation, here's how we stepped in this thing at flood stage, you can too. They did it over and over and I thought, well, that's a great concept, milestone, but Lord, you gotta show it to me in the word. When I read these words, it just jumped off the page to me because in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua's saying to them, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve God. We're, we're gonna serve him. And in Joshua chapter 24, it says this, then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. And after these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. So start with the end in mind. God's promises are all good and God never fails. And you know what my goal is for you end in mind? Joshua, dismiss them to their inheritance. Help them possess every single promise that God has said over their lives. God can do something amazing through you. You never know. You never know by every time you step into that water at flood stage, every time you keep that word of God on your lips when your heart says to be critical, negative, offended, don't forgive, every time you do it, you don't understand many times the impact of that. It's amazing. In fact, I was sharing with you, I was preaching at that conference. I came and I prayed for all these people and I was walking off and there was a man, a gentleman I'd never met, he's an executive pastor at a church in the Pittsburgh area. He came up to my wife and I had shared the story of my daughter, Lainey Kate, who has juvenile arthritis. He came up to me, he said, Pastor, I, I just wanna encourage you, I just wanna pray for you. I said, okay. He said, I was 16 and I had debilitating arthritis, couldn't walk and God healed me and I wanna pray for your family. Man, I'm gonna tell you, it was so emotional. He emailed me again this week. It was so powerful as I, I mean, he, he prayed through his journey, his struggle, his situation. He prayed and, and my wife and I were deeply touched by it. Why do I share that with you? I mean, we a lot of times look at, well, they're possessing and they can do this and they must have some special deal. Look. I've always said the real evangelist, the real person who is advancing the kingdom, the person who really can make an impact, don't ever forget, it's you. It's you. You have the potential for God to use you in ways you don't even imagine if you will continue to say, I'm not gonna be gripped by fear, I'm not gonna be discouraged. Every time you possess the next place God has for you, there's people that you've never met, you don't know, you've never seen, your own children, your family members, that they are brought into the promises of God as they see you step out into all that God's called you to step into. I'm gonna ask you if you would to bow your heads with me. And I believe maybe someone watching me right now, your next step is to say yes to Jesus. You say, what does that really mean, Pastor? It's just surrendering it all to him. One foot in, one foot out never works. It's just simply saying, Jesus, I give you my whole life. Jesus, I believe you died for me. As we saw in those pictures, Jesus, you are the sacrifice once and for all. We don't need a physical lamb anymore. Jesus, you are the bread that satisfies the hunger of my soul. Jesus, you're the promised land. 
You're, you're that place where we live and move and exist and walk in all that you've called. Just, just Jesus, I, I give it all to you. I give my life to you. I believe you died for me. You rose from the dead and I receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. Maybe there's a, a husband right now. As Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Sir, let me say to you, if you're listening to me right now, you, you can wander, but just know your family's waiting for you to possess. There's a mom out there saying, I'm kind of struggling here and I'm struggling. Ma'am, I want to tell you, you, you can wander, you can circle, but when you step into the promised land with Jesus, your sons, your daughters, your friends, they, they step into new things as well as they see you walk with God. Say, Jesus, I give you my whole life. If you did pray that prayer, we want to help you. Maybe come forward at the end of the service. Come to 101. Let us help you learn how to take those steps in your journey with Jesus. Second of all, though, Lord, I pray right now. I believe there's someone listening to me. Maybe you're in bondage. Maybe you've just been stuck. Maybe you've just been disappointed. Disappointed in where you're at and where things are with God. I don't know what's got you in that orbit. But God's saying to you today, you can step into all that he has for you. And I pray, Lord, right now that there would be faith, there would be encouragement. As you told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Lord, I pray today that they, listening, that person who's just kind of stuck, that we've learned in this whole series, just wandering around, Lord, I pray today that they would step into that next step you have for them, whatever it is. Lord, you're not asking us to have it all figured out. You're not asking us to even understand exactly where you're always taking us. We don't have to know every single piece of information in the Bible. You're asking us to obey you, follow you, and trust you in the next step that you have for us. So Lord, I pray that every person listening to me would take that next step and walk in a life in the promised land with you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.